by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. There was this uh, penny pension accountant who was on his deathbed, and he was laying there, and with his last bit of strength he he lifted his head and he tried to look around he says is my wife here she goes I'm here honey and she took him by the hand he said are, are my sons and daughters here they said we're over here dad we're with you he said what about my brothers and sisters we're here too everybody's here and he laid his head back down on the pillow and he says well why'd somebody leave that kitchen light on <laughs> oh, I tell you, that describes me in many ways. I have been a penny pincher from way back, you know. I'm a pawn shop prowler, so to speak. You know, I never drove by a pile of wood on the side of the road. I didn't want to stop and go through it, you know. And uh, I took my kids and my wife, you know, in light of this service, we're on a, a new series entitled And Your Household. You know, last month we were talking about our missionaries and giving all over the world, and now we've started a series talking about coming back to our household, starting where you're at, and it's called And Your Household. Today's message, by the way, is entitled Part 2, Faithful Partner. But where was I at before I interrupted myself? Oh, I was taking my kids. In light of what we, I've been learning uh, p- preparing this message, uh, I took my kids and my wife on a Thursday night, you know, just out of the blue, and said, let's go to Longhorn Steakhouse. Well, the real reason somebody had given me a Longhorn Steakhouse <laughs> gift certificate, you know, <laughs> I'm done. I'm sorry, y'all don't know this about me, but I'm cheap. But <clears throat> and I felt so bad because when we got there, my son, who has learned from me well, he went through the menu and he was like, he kept looking at me funny. And I didn't know why he was looking at me. And then when the waitress came, Every, you know, I said, I'll take a ribeye, and, and he got to him, and he was like, uh, I'll take a chopped steak, and and I said, is that what you want, a chopped steak? He said, if anything else, is going to be $30, you know, and it, he said, Dad, you can't spend that kind of money, and I just felt so bad here, I was wanting to bless him, and my, my own son thinks I'm cheap. I said, no, you're getting your ribeye, I'm going to get you a ribeye, so we got him a ribeye. But anyway, I say all that to say, we want to have ribeye kind of families. We do. If we're going to skimp anywhere, it doesn't need to be in our families. We need to put them first and foremost. Let's turn to Acts chapter 10, verse 31. We're going to see what was going on in the early church. There was a guy named Cornelius. And Cornelius, he was a Roman centurion. He was a, he was a pagan, so to speak. He wasn't a Jew. And most of them didn't believe in God, or they believed in multiple gods. They didn't believe in our God. But this Cornelius did. He didn't know about Jesus yet, 
but he was about to learn. And anyway, in Acts 10.31, it says, He told me, Cornelius, your prayers have been heard, and your gifts to the poor have been noticed by God. How many of y'all know that God hears your prayers in secret? And though, you know, somebody may not acknowledge your gifts to the poor, the poor may not even acknowledge your gifts. Today, they just kind of expect it. But God sees every little thing you do. And so the angel tells Cornelius, I want you to send a couple of guys down to Joppa. There's a fellow there named Peter. You may have heard of him in the Bible. And I want you to get Peter to come because he's got a message to tell you. In Acts eleven fourteen, he says, I will tell you how you and everyone in your household can be saved. That sounds familiar like that scripture we talked about last week when we were talking about Paul and Silas in the jail at the midnight hour and the jailer learned how him and his household could be saved. Do you know that God wants your family saved? And before we go any further, let me just say this. God loves your children more than you do. Sometimes we feel like God's like, okay, if you just keep wearing me out with prayer, maybe I'll, I'll, you know, I'll work on your children. No, God, they're God's children too. They'll be God's children long after they're your children. And before they were your children, they were God's children. Anyway, it's a heavy burden to carry when you, you're not sure about the salvation of your children or your family members, isn't it? I mean, knowing what we know, heaven and hell are real. Eternity is a long time. It's a heavy burden to be believing for your family members. But I've got some good news because our God is a God of good news. Amen. Proverbs 14, 26 says, Those who fear the Lord are secure, and he will be a refuge for their children. He's got you, and he's the place where your children can run to. You might want to write these down. Proverbs 14, 26, that was. Isaiah 49, 25. These are the kind of scriptures that you you, you hold in your heart and you stand on them. When you're praying and believing God, you want to speak the word of God over your situation. Isaiah 49, 25 God says, for I will fight those who fight you, and I will save your children. My goodness. Do you believe that? Now, we sang that song, He is Faithful, this morning. He is faithful. Do you believe it? Do you believe that he is faithful? Well, God is looking for us to be faithful partners with him. And that's what I've entitled today's message, Faithful Partners. God wants us to partner with him. He makes the statement, and he wants us to partner with him and believe the statement. And he wants us to take it to a next step. He wants us to believe it and to act on it. Say, believe and act. Say it again, believe and act. That's how we become faithful partners of God. We believe what he says, and we do what? We act on it. Is God faithful? Well, old Joshua, he lived about 110 years, the Bible says. You know, he was Moses' partner. 
He was there when they crossed the Red Sea. He was there when they crossed the Jordan, both of them on dry ground. He was there in everything in between, everything that happened on the mountain and everything that shouldn't have happened down below. Joshua was there through it all, and he, see, he saw God bring water from the rock. He saw God do a, a bunch of stuff, and he was there for the battles that it took to take the promised land. And he saw God give them victory time after time. And in Joshua twenty three fourteen, at the end of his life, he says this, Soon I will die going the way of everything on the earth. How many knows it's appointed to man once to die and then the judgment? We're, we're going to pass from this earthly existence. And I say praise the Lord because I know where I'm going is going to be better than this. It's going to be a promotion for me, and I hope it is for you too. But he says, I'm going the way of everything on the earth. He says, deep in your hearts. And I believe deep in your heart too. You know that every promise, say every promise. Every promise of the Lord has come true. Every promise of the Lord has come true. Not a single one has failed. That's what he was able to say after that remarkable life. 110 years that he lived. Of course, Moses said about the same thing in Deuteronomy 7, 9. He says, understand, therefore, that the Lord your, your God is indeed God. He is a faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. Say, believe and act. Believe. He will lavish his love on you and he will keep his promises if you will be a faithful partner and just believe what he says and do what he says. Amen. We have a part to play in this. I'm trying to tell you. Are we faithful partners of God? <laughs> faithful. Faithfulness. I looked it up. It's a noun. It says being true to your word and commitments. God is. Are we? Dedicated and steadfast in performing one's duties. What if Cornelius, what if he hadn't been given alms? What if he hadn't been praying? Would the angels have showed up at Cornelius' house, you suppose? And once they showed up and told him to go get Peter, what if he wouldn't have sent his people to get Peter? Uh, well, I'm, I'm just going to believe God. you got to believe and do. You got to believe and act on what you believe. He sent those guys to get Peter, and Peter came back and told them the good news. And in the meantime, he had gathered all his friends and family. But what if he wouldn't have gathered his friends and family? Maybe he would have heard the good news. Maybe he'd have been saved. Maybe his destination, eternal destination, would have changed. But he'd have left his friends and family behind. That sounds like a chop. Steak family to me. <laughs> we want a ribeye family. I want to get to heaven and eat a ribeye. Amen. Come on, somebody. Y'all going to help me preach today? Yeah. What if Cornelius wouldn't have done these things? What if he wouldn't have acted? And what if we don't bring our children to church? Oh, did I say that out loud? Let's talk about Noah. 
Y'all remember the story of Noah, right? He built the ark. God looked down on the earth, and he saw that man was just, just wicked all the time. Everybody was just doing what they felt was right in their own heart, and their hearts were wicked. They were killing one another, stealing from one another, torturing one another, raping, pillaging, and, and things that I can't say out loud. <laughs> it was so bad that God was sorry that he had made us. Sin had gotten to the point where he said, man, I, I wish I wouldn't even made them. That always breaks my heart. I don't know why that breaks my heart when, when I hear God say that. You know, sin's a real deal. It is real bad. It's not a it's not a laughing matter, it's not a little problem, it's not a little it's not a little anything. It's big, it's a big deal. It's what we're infected with. It, it makes COVID look like a little common cold. I'm telling you, sin is the real deal down here. And God looked and said, I'm fishing to wipe out this whole generation. But he saw one man. Trying to lead his family right. Trying to do the things of God. Maybe praying. Maybe giving. Doing those things. Trying to live right. And his name was Noah. Genesis 6, 8 says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. God just wants to pour out his grace. He's just looking for a place. <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but it sounded pretty cool, didn't it? Let me say it again. God's just looking for a place to pour out his grace. And why not me? <laughs> Here I am, Lord. Grace me. <laughs> so God sought to save Noah and his family. In Genesis 6:18, he says, "I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you, your wife, and your sons and your wives." Of course, you know he had Noah gave him instructions on how to build the ark, very specific instructions of how to do what God commanded and he did it and so he says get your family on board and I'm sure Noah you know knowing the kind of man he was he was pro probably a preacher of righteousness he was probably welcoming everybody y'all got to get on this boat I'm telling you a flood's coming but nobody believed him and in the end it was just his wife and his sons Shem, Ham, and Japheth and their wives Eight people in all of uh, the whole world even sought to do God's will. Genesis 7, 5 says, So Noah did everything as the Lord had commanded him. Say, believe and act. He did what God asked of him. Some say it took over 100 years to build the ark. You know, they lived a lot longer back then before... God limited our years to 120. He said, man, I can't take them <laughs> for 900 years no more. We're going to have to do something about this. <laughs> but back then, it, they say it took over 100 years possibly for him to build that ark. It was a big ark. <laughs> and I don't think he could have done it by himself. But you know what? Maybe us believing and acting to get our families all saved and get them all in the ark it may take a little longer than we thought i mean we're just because we're talking about it this month and just because we're saying write their names down and pray for them and invite them to church this easter you know it may not happen this month 
So what are we going to do? Give up? What if it took a hundred years to get your family on the ark? It's that important to get them on. It may require some patience. In Psalms 27, 13, the psalmist says, Yet I am confident that I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. I am confident that he's going to show me that goodness in the land while I'm living. So wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. What does it mean to be brave and courageous? That means you got that kid that's on drugs right now, gang-banging, and you want to fall apart. But be brave. Be courageous. Fight the good fight of faith. You might not can beat all the gang members off of him, but you can, you can beat all the demons off of him in the spirit. Fight that good fight of faith. Believe and act on the word of God. You mothers don't quit praying because it works. Clearly, Noah was a family man. I wrote this. How do I know he was a family man? Because Noah couldn't have built that ark by himself. You know, the timbers were just too big. (laughs) One man can't build a Titanic-sized boat. It would have taken a team. And I said it would have taken a unified family, willing to do life together for a common cause. He had to pull his family in and get them on board with the mission. They had to work together day in and day out to get this job done. And that's what I believe the church does for the family. I believe we get our church. We be, what is, well, after all, what is Jesus building now? He was building the ark back then. What is, what is he building now? Wow. Well, maybe we need to get all our children on the ark and get them involved in the building of the ark. Get some real direction, some real purpose in their lives. It's that important. People say, oh, I don't need church today. Well, you're listening to the wrong people. Church is what Jesus is doing on the earth. It's his very own bride. It's time we make an effort and we be conscious of our obligation to believe and act on the promises of God for our family. It's time. I don't care if it takes 100 years. I don't care if it takes till I'm laying on my deathbed talking about the kitchen light. I want them there. I want them to be on the ark with me. I don't want them to miss the boat, so to speak. We've talked about praying for them. We've talked about inviting them to church. Last week we talked about a lot of different ways that we can begin to erect a platform to speak into their lives. But maybe it it may take some forgiveness and resurrection, uh, restoration with your relationship to even get started. Because maybe you're in here today and you're saying, oh, man, I wish I was younger and starting over again. Then I would have got my children in church. But it's too late now. They're grown. And they're not serving the Lord. I just, 
didn't do this, maybe you're feeling bad. But because you got a bad beginning, maybe you didn't know or whatever, does that mean you you just have a bad ending too? Isn't everything that the Lord does about a resurrection? Isn't it about a new coming to life? It Can our latter days be greater than our former days? Can't we begin to believe God now? And if we haven't, Treated our children right in the past? Can't we get on the phone? Or can't we take them to the steakhouse? And say, listen, I just wanted to tell you. I'm sorry I didn't raise you in the church. I'm sorry I didn't teach you about Jesus. The way I know him now. If I would, if I would have told you then what I know now. And just be honest with them. And reset the relationship spiritually. Don't, don't force it on them, you know, don't shove it down their throats. But like we said last week, learn to follow the guiding of the Holy Spirit. And at least get to a place where you can begin the conversation. There's much work to be done. There's three levels on this, this ark. A lot of animals to tend to, a lot of stuff to do. We've got to erect a platform from which to speak into our children's lives. We're talking mostly about our children, but we're talking about all of our family members, right? Let's turn to Romans chapter 12 and verse 9. It's right behind Acts, I believe, last time I went that way. Romans 12, verse 9. What if we lived this kind of life what if our children and our relatives saw us living like this it says don't just pretend to love others we're really good at that aren't we it's easy to say i love you brother really love them hate what is wrong hold tightly to what is good Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Keep on praying. My house shall be a house of prayer and I am a house of the living God. And I am a house of prayer. Some people say, you know, there's power in prayer. I don't know so much about that. There's power in the one I pray to, though. I know that. And there's power in that relationship. So I keep on praying. And when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Don't say, be warm and be fed and I'll pray for you. I'll be honest, there's been times where I've said, is there anything I can do for you? And I'm hoping they say no. (laughs) But every time they said yes. And I spent my time and my resources to help somebody. I felt so good about it. And I thought to myself, I'm going to live like this. 
This is the kind of life I want to live. Be ready to help those in need. And be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Somebody asked me recently, I think we, you know, are, are, we, are we having too much fellowship in our life groups? Shouldn't we have more word time? I'm like, fellowship is, is word time. Fellowship is just as important in our life groups as any other aspect of our life groups. Hospitality, developing relationships that, that where iron will sharpen iron. People will get to know one another and be honest with one another and discipleship will begin to take place in the context that started with fellowship. So yes, practice hospitality. If we don't know any sinners, we need to to get to know some so we can get somebody saved. So we can fill up these empty purple chairs that we hate so much. So their lives can be changed like yours was. I think about my wife Angie. And the platform that she has erected to speak into our family. Most people think, well, you're the pastor. You, you know, you got the title. But she holds the crown. I'm telling you, she is a, a lover of people. When her mom was sick, who was taking her to the doctor? Who was... To, Arranging her appointments, who was helping her with her medicine, who was doing her checkbook, who was paying her bills. It was Angie. Now that she's passed, who's in charge of the estate? Who's cleaning the floors and having garage sales and doing all the work? Angie. And while that's happening, an uncle that she has that she didn't really know all that well has fallen ill, who's driving to Memphis four to five times a week to bring him food, to take him to the ER, take him to his appointments? Angie? There's somebody sitting here that might testify, who takes you to most of your doctor's appointments? Angie. <laughs> Angie. Who's working the nursery today? Who do you usually go to when you need something done in the church? <laughs> Let me say something about that. There, there's this thought in the church that we don't want to talk to pastor because we don't want to trouble him. He's got too much on his plate. So they go to Angie. <laughs> Everybody in the church, they, I don't know, maybe it's less intimidating to go to Angie to find out what the pastor thinks, you know. But everybody goes to Angie. That's fine. She's okay with it. But maybe some of y'all could come to me to help her out a little bit. (laughs) Because there's only one of her, right? But one one of her is enough to change the world. But just think of that kind of platform from which she speaks now into our family's life. Who do people come to when they need prayer? When she speaks, it's like, what was that old commercial? G.F. Hutton or E.F. Hutton. When E.F. Hutton people, y'all so young in here. No, nobody remembers that. There was a commercial. He was a, 
insurance guy or something, I don't know, or lawyer. Never mind. Did I tell y'all about the, the accountant? Never mind. But we got a Noah in our church. Did y'all know that? A little baby Noah. We got a little baby Noah in our church. And you know what? His dad was up here taking up the offering today, Samuel. And his mom, Mary Ellen, is back there working the nursery with Angie. And they are super godly people. They just touched my heart to be so young and to be so involved in the church. And they're erecting a platform for which to speak into little Noah's life. I think little Noah's in good hands. And I wondered to myself, how did Samuel and Mary Ellen get to be such godly people at such a young age? And I only have to look to see their parents that come to our church. Dean and Renee, they're godly parents. So they have generations working for them. Little Noah is blessed. How important is it? Some people say, oh, I can sin. I'm not hurting anybody but me. Oh, you're so wrong. Everybody that loves you feels the effects of your sin and the wages that you receive for your sin. They feel for you. And what about your generations coming after you? Sin's not anything to play with. You know, Angie said something so profound the other day, I thought I would mention it. She said she stole it from somewhere, but I can't remember where she said. But it doesn't matter. She said, God has no grandchildren. And you got to think about that for a minute. Wait, God has no grandchildren? He doesn't love my grandchildren? No, God has no grandchildren. You're either a child of God or you're not. And every person must decide for themselves. You know, when the rapture happens, ain't nobody going to latch on to my pants leg and get a free ride. Not even my own children. We talk, I talked about that with somebody yesterday. I think me and Chad were talking about how we, we must raise our children right because, you know, the world's really pulling on them. And they got to make a decision for themselves. And, and good parents who do everything right may have a child that just makes bad decisions. Every man must determine for himself, is he going to walk with God? And we're only one generation at any given time from turning from God. You know, I'm a, I, I praise God that my children are saved. Thank goodness I got saved before they came along. <laughs> I would have messed that thing up bad, right? But I, they were in the church early, and they were serving God. And uh, they, I know they're going to heaven. But if when they raise their children, they don't get them in the church, they don't teach them the ways of God, they don't teach them to love God, my grandchildren will probably not be saved. Well, of course, I'm going to get in there and do all I can on that regard, but we're only one generation away from losing the ground that we have taken. So you matter. Wherever you're at, whatever generation you're in right now, you matter to those coming behind you. 
You really, really do. Proverbs 27 says, The godly walk with integrity. Blessed are the children of those who follow them. If your children follow the way you walk right now, what's their life going to be like? What kind of life will your children have if they walk in your footsteps? Believe and act on the Word of God. Be a faithful partner. God can turn everything around. I don't usually write down prayers, but I wrote down one I wanted to close with. I don't know if I'll pray it or just say it. Father, we believe it is your heart to save our loved ones. We believe you're working behind the scenes in their life even now. We believe you. We believe we will act as you direct. We believe that you are faithful and we are your faithful partners. Then I'll put down here, help us, Lord, to have ribeye families. I just couldn't resist. Amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.